0: Thank you, Ricky, for that ministry in music. These past two weeks, we have been considering Hannah's dedication of Samuel to the Lord as a supreme example of one who fulfills what are the modern dedicatory vows of children's dedication. Two weeks ago, we had a dedicatory service, and we asked six questions of the parents as they were dedicating their children to the Lord. And we said that Hannah serves as a wonderful example of one who fulfilled every aspect of those six questions. Last week, we asked and considered the question, do you dedicate yourselves as parents To live a godly life so that your child will see Christ in you. If so answer we do. And we see how again Hannah demonstrated the living of a godly life. To demonstrate God's work in her life. Then there was the question concerning will you bring your house. Will you bring your child regularly to the house of God. And teach them to reverence and Fear the Lord and have respect for his house and worship. And certainly we saw last week that Hannah proved to be a wonderful example in that regard as well. Today we are considering the question that is asked in that dedicatory service. Inasmuch as God has given you this child, do you consecrate your child to God in his service? And do you publicly acknowledge that in so doing you are submitting yourself to God's will for this child? whatever it may involve. There are three basic elements to that vow that we are going to unpack this morning in the life of Hannah. Three elements in this vow of dedicating one's child to the Lord. The first element is the reason for making the vow of dedication to the Lord. The reason that we dedicate our children to the Lord is because God has entrusted our children to our care. The dedicatory question begins with these words. Inasmuch as God has given you this child. Inasmuch as God has given you this child. Every child is a gift from God. And certainly, Samuel proves to be a wonderful gift from God to Hannah. And Hannah recognized Samuel as that gift of God. Notice the way in which she recognized it. First, Hannah prayed to the Lord. Hannah, of course, was not able to have children. It became a real issue between her and Penina. Penina made her life Miserable because Hannah could not have children. And she desperately wanted a child. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, we are introduced to Hannah's prayer. And it tells us in 1 Samuel 1, verse 10, that she was greatly distra- distressed. She prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She had prayed to the Lord. And in praying to the Lord, she specifically Asked for a child. Notice verse 11. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son. Give thy maidservant a son. Hannah was told by Eli that God would answer Hannah's prayer. Verse 17. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petitions that you have asked of him. So, in keeping with God's promise, the child Samuel was born. Verse 20. And it came about in due time, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son. She gave birth to a son. And... She gladly proclaimed that her child was a gift from God by naming him Samuel. End of verse 20. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked him of the Lord. Samuel in Hebrew means asked of the Lord, asked of God. And so she had asked this child of God and recognized when she had the child that this was God's answer to prayer. And then Hannah expressly states that she dedicates Samuel to the Lord because the Lord had given Samuel to her. Verse 27 and 28. Speaking to Eli, she said, for this boy I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. Now notice verse 28. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. She dedicated him to the Lord because God had given Samuel to Hannah. Now, that's a pretty remarkable account. And so she receives this child in a demonstrative way. Certainly, it was easy for her to be very cognizant of the fact that she had received This child of the Lord. Sometimes people find it very difficult to become pregnant for a myriad of reasons. Today, I mentioned in our prayer that we're rejoicing with Laura after many years of marriage, of trying to become pregnant, that she was finally able to uh, conceive. And she's carrying the child and Lord willing, will give birth in just any time. Any time now. Again, when one is in a situation like that, it's rather easy to stop and thank God and praise him for the answer to prayer and for his goodness and grace to us. But we should all acknowledge that the children that we possess are, in fact, a gift of God. They are granted to us by God. And so we ought to be thankful for that gift. And we also ought to understand the obligation that is placed upon us as a recipient of that great gift, that we become stewards, stewards of this, this child and recognize the responsibility that we have in rearing our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3 states, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Thus, dedication is, first of all, an expression of thankfulness to God for his gift to us of a child. And then secondly, dedication is a time of recognizing our duty to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And certainly Hannah is a supreme example of that. Secondly, in this vow that we take in a dedicatory service, reads as follows. Inasmuch as God has given you this child, and now these words, do you consecrate your child to God and His service? Do you set apart your child for God and ministering on God's behalf. Certainly, Hannah did that. So what did that look like for Hannah? And then I want us to consider what does that look like for us? So what did it look like for Hannah in consecrating her child to the service of God? Well, it meant, first of all, that she would care for her child. Notice verses 21 and 22 of chapter 1. This is after Samuel has been born. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Might look like a small thing, but Hannah had to care for her child, and she did, and provide for her child, and she did. As we care for our children, we are, in fact, serving God. I think that is absolutely essential to say in our modern day and age, in which People look at the care of a child almost as as a burden, as just some kind of unfortunate situation while we're waiting for them to grow up so they get out of needing diapers and bottles and can finally get on to caring for themselves. And there is a lack of appreciation of the God-given privilege to care for our children. And that we are actually in so doing serving God. Just as when the children get over older, the, the Bible says, children, uh, be obedient to your parents, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. The way that a child can please God is by being obedient to his parents. One of the ways that we as parents can please God is by faithfully Caring for our children. God is displeased when we fail to care for them. When we uh, forfeit our responsibilities. But when we wholeheartedly engage in them, uh, thankfully, then we are in fact consecrating our children to God. Separating them. Treating them differently than the world would. Secondly, it meant that Hannah would engage in a religious rite of dedicating her child to the Lord. Verse 23. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remember, remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So don't forget what God had said and what you had said to God. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine. And brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed And the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. So there was this act of dedication, of presenting the child to Eli, for Eli to bless, and for Eli to minister to. So dedication really does involve and should involve. A public acknowledgement of bringing our children to be used of God. It's very appropriate that we have a service of child dedication. And I would encourage you this morning, if you've never dedicated your child to the Lord publicly, that you think about doing so. And I wouldn't worry if they are no longer an infant. Maybe they're three, maybe they're four, maybe they're five, maybe they're ten. Maybe they're older still. But yet you come to a place where you want to publicly declare that you are intending to consecrate your, your child to the Lord and to his service. That's very, very appropriate. For Hannah, it meant that Hannah's act of dedication had lasting significance. She continued in dedicating Samuel to the Lord throughout the entirety of his life. Notice verse 28. So I've also dedicated him to the Lord. Now notice this. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. This one act of public dedication only has meaning and significance as it is. Carried out through the entirety of the child's life. That act of consecrating, of of setting that child apart for God, of seeking to rear that child, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, can't happen in a moment. It is not encapsulated in one service, it's a whole life of training, of instilling within them a love for God. And a need to put God first in their lives. And so Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord as long as he lived. And so must we. And so must we. And we need to remind ourselves, even as we have grown children, that we are dedicating them to the Lord. What did it mean for Hannah? Well, it meant that uh, Samuel would continually worship the Lord. Verse 28. So have I also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And he worshipped the Lord there. So there was this sense of teaching him, instructing him in the worship of God. And certainly for us, there is that responsibility of teaching them to worship and serve God. And then lastly, it meant that Hannah was willing to part with Samuel. 1 Samuel 2, 18-21. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a, a linen ephod. So some years have passed. She had left Samuel in Eli's care to be reared in the service of God. Verse 19 of chapter 2. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. She was willing to part with Samuel. That had to be an emotionally heart-rending situation. She desperately wanted a child. And after the child is born, she is caring and nurturing Samuel. And Elkanah goes up to the temple in order to uh, worship. And he asks Hannah, is she going to bring Samuel To the Lord at this time. And she said no not until he is weaned. And Elkanah says all right. But just remember what the Lord did. And remember what you said. Because Elkanah recognized. How easy it would be. For Hannah to go back on her vow. And be unwilling to part with Samuel. But she did. She did. She let them go. One of the things we have to do in consecrating our children to the service of God is let them go. We don't know what God's will is for our children. We don't know where they're going to be, where they're going to serve, or what God would have them to do. But we very, might, we very well might have to say goodbye to our children. They may be called to missionary service. And I can remember saying goodbye to Suki and Matt as they traveled to Tanzania. Who knows where God may lead them. And you may not see them on a regular basis. You may not have an opportunity to interact with them as you would like. There is a measure of sacrifice, if you will, of giving up your children to the will of God, whatever that may involve. But that's an important element of dedication. And she was willing to do that. So what does dedication look like for us? Much the same way. It means that we care for our children. It means that we bring them to the house of the Lord and to worship. We have a, a real God-given responsibility to bring our children To worship. And I would emphasize this morning the word bring as opposed to send. Bring your child to worship as opposed to sending your child to worship with a neighbor or a friend or another family. But you bring your child to worship. We are somewhat unique in our church because we don't have a children's church that is not by oversight that is not because we don't have enough people to man it it's not for and I can give you a a hundred negatives as to why it's not but let me tell you why it is we do believe it's important that, that children receive an education in the word of God at their own level And so we do have a Sunday school. We think it's very important that our our children go to Sunday school and and hear the Word of God at uh, at their level. We have a Wednesday night program, for an opportunity for children to learn to pray and to be instructed in prayer at their level and to be instructed in the Word of God at their level. So we certainly take um, the training, the rearing of children as very important. And your children are missing out, quite frankly, If they don't come on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, because they are really geared. We have programs that are geared for their particular age group, for their maturity level, for their particular level of understanding the Word of God. That's essential. But I would also submit to you that it's really essential that children sit with their parents and experience worship together. That they have a recognition that what my parents believe is what I believe. And what I believe is what my parents believe. There have been a lot of studies that have been done. And uh, one of the real difficulties that is experienced in children's church, and especially the, the, lo- the longer a child is in children's church, is it's very hard for them to become acclimated to worship and they don't particularly like uh, coming to worship I think one of the reasons we have so many people in our evening service is for this very reason the two churches that I served in prior to being here both of them had a children's church so I'm not preaching against children's churches this morning please that don't take that away that's not what I'm saying in fact, in, in one of the churches, I was responsible for children's church and taught it for a number of years. So that's not the issue. That's not the issue. But I do remember going and encouraging young families about uh, coming out to Sunday evening service. Because at the one church, the Sunday evening service was abysmal. Uh, hardly anybody came. And so I went around. I visited young families and said, I really would encourage you to bring your, your child to the service, And almost without exception, they looked at me and they said, but there's nothing for our children. I mean, there's no special program. They're going to have to sit through the service if they come Sunday night because they never sat through the service Sunday morning. And so their thought was there's there's nothing for the children. I appreciate our children sitting in our service. And I hope that when our children sit in the service, they are not thinking this is just for the adults. This is just for mom and dad. This is for everyone. Now, obviously, there are some messages that have more significance for adults, such as this very message as not too many eight-year-olds are thinking about dedicating their children to the Lord. But they can think about the fact that their parents dedicated them to the Lord. And they can think about what their parents meant when they dedicated them to the Lord. And what a blessing it is that your parents have said, we want God's will for your life, whatever it may involve. That's a, a good thing. And we need to recognize that isn't just an issue with children. There are singles here. And they're saying, what does this have to do with me? I have no child to dedicate to the Lord. You you see, as, as we work through the word of God, one of the truths of God's word is that nature is corporate in worship. And some sermons more directly affect one group of people than another sermon is going to affect another group of people. One of the things that I have often said is that I don't preach at people. I don't think, wow, this is going on in church this week. I better, I better address this and I better find a text. That's one of the blessings of being able to preach through the word of God like I do. And you know I'm not earmarking. We're just ending up with where the, the scripture leads us. But there is that element of being under the teaching and preaching of the word of God. So we make no excuses for having our children in our service. And believe that it's of value. I went on this long tangent and didn't say what I originally wanted to, to say. And that is they've done studies. And the longer a child is in uh, children's church. The more uncomfortable they are in the regular worship service. And the more likely they are not to attend. We have really a wonderful uh, situate. Just look around. Look around. In fact, um, I'm going to make it easy for you. to Look around this morning. Uh, if you're if you're a teen, okay. If you're you're 19 years, well, let's that's that's not with it. Let's let's go with high school, okay. If you're a, a senior in high school or younger, would you stand up this morning? Go ahead, stand up. Senior in high school or younger. Alright, thank you. You may be seated. Uh, one of the things that people comment when they visit our church is the number of, of children that we have. The number of teens that we have in our, in our service. Uh, usually about, about 30 teens. Uh, they don't walk away. They don't walk away. And part of that is because parents bring them to the house of the Lord. Thirdly, Hannah, in consecrating her child to God and his service, submitted herself to God's will for the child. Here again, the words of the vow. Inasmuch as God has given you this child, do you consecrate your child to God in his service? And do you publicly acknowledge that in so doing, now these words, you are submitting yourselves to God's will for this child, whatever it may involve. Submitting yourself... To God's will for this child, not just submitting the child to God's will, but submitting yourself to God's will that you are willing to accept whatever God's will is for your child. She submitted herself to God's will regarding her child from the very beginning. Second, first Samuel one twenty two. But Hannah did not go up, and she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stand there forever. She made that commitment when he was an infant. Knowing what God's will was for his life. Knowing that he was to serve God as a priest. She was willing for that at the very, very beginning. Rarely do we know God's will for our child shortly after they are born. It's a discovery process. But in that discovery process, sometimes we have to let go. Sometimes it's not what we want. Maybe we would like them to be something. I don't know exactly what. I remember from my dad, my dad had worked real hard in order to be able to actually finally purchase a farm. Uh, He began in managing farms for other people, had to save money, etc. It was a lot of hard work, but he finally saved up enough money to buy a farm and established a farm. And now it was in full sway. He had two sons, myself and an older brother. And I remember him coming to my older brother and saying, do you want a farm? My My brother said, no, I don't want a farm. He came to me. I was in 10th grade. And he said, I'm thinking about selling this farm. And he said, uh, I will keep it if you want it. And he knew that I wanted to be a pastor. But he said, If you want the farm, you can have it. But if not, I'm going to sell it. I said, Dad, sell it. I said, I'm going to be a pastor. And you know, he rejoiced in that decision. He wasn't upset. He didn't say, why did I spend all this time working for this? Where's it gotten me? He knew that it wasn't for his children. And he never made us feel guilty. That uh, we didn't follow in the family business. Uh, never made us uneasy. He accepted what God's will was for our lives. That's what we must do. We must accept what God's will is for our children's lives. Maybe they're going to live someplace we wish they wouldn't. Maybe they're going to do something we wish they weren't doing. Maybe we fear for their their well-being. Maybe we're concerned about how they'll do financially. Maybe we're concerned about whether they're going to college or not going to college or, or whatever. It's so easy for us to plan our children's lives and have expectations of what they will do. But to be able to take hands off and simply say, God may your will be done. We'll pray for our children. We will support our children in whatever you want them to do. Hannah submitted herself to the Lord. After the act of dedication, look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 2. After she dedicates the child to the Lord, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 1, the NAS reads, Then Hannah prayed and said, in the King James, it reads, and Hannah prayed. I don't want to get too technical this morning, but in the Hebrew, this is known as a walk consecutive. And the significance of a walk consecutive is that it is, it is taking place immediately upon what precedes. And it is there to demonstrate that this immediately follows. And so what we could easily miss because of the chapter break is that chapter two, verse one comes immediately upon her saying to Eli that she is dedicating this child to the Lord. She breaks out in this prayer and praise of God, a wonderful prayer. Notice what she expresses in this prayer. First, that she was grateful for the, what the Lord had done for her. Verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. So she was expressing gratitude to God. She praises God for his goodness. Verse 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides thee. Nor is there any rock like our God. She humbles herself before God. Verse 3. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And with him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are shattered. But the feeble give gird on strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for bread. But those who are hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to the seven. But who has many children languishes. She submits. To God's sovereign will. Verse 6. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to shoal and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He exalts. You see, this is all what God does. And God can do whatever He wants. And she praises God for His sovereign will. She expresses trust in the Lord. Verse 9. He keeps the feet of His godly ones. But the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the earth. And he will give strength to his king. And will exalt the horn of his anointed. So she expresses trust in the Lord. And then she continues to love and care for Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 11 to 21. Let me just note to you verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Samuel wasn't her only child. God blessed her with other children. And so she was greatly rewarded for her act of dedication. In conclusion, it's very simple. Let me say three things. First, Hannah is a wonderful example of one who fills the vow and first of all, Recognizing that inasmuch as God has given you this child. I simply say to you this morning. I hope. I hope that you view your your child. As a gift of God. No matter what the circumstances were. That surrounded that birth. No matter what difficulties. Have been encountered. No matter what abilities or lack thereof. Irregardless. Of any of the outward circumstances. The fact that you have this child. Should be recognized as a gift of God. And I would say to you that that is true. Whether that is a natural birth or an adopted child. For not all can adopt. And even the deposing of that. Is in the hands of a sovereign God. A child. Is a gift. I hope, I hope that you are thankful for your child this morning. And not just thankful when they were born, but thankful today. Maybe you've gone through some disappointments, maybe you've gone through some rebellious years. Maybe you've gone through some difficult nights. Maybe you've experienced some some fears, some disappointments, some heartaches. Maybe right now there's tension between you and your child. I encourage you this morning to recommit yourself to to the realization that this child is a gift of God, and be thankful for that child and to recommit yourself today to say. whatever God wants for this child 's life, inasmuch as God has given you this child secondly, do you consecrate your child to God in his service do you Set apart your child to serve God. And that doesn't mean they've got to be a pastor, or they have to be a missionary, or they have to be in, quote, full-time Christian service. What it means is teaching your child that whatever they do, they should do it to the honor and glory of God. Whether they be a painter, they'd be a Christian painter. Whether they be a businessman, they'd be a Christian businessman. Whether they be a teacher, they'd be a Christian teacher. That doesn't mean they have to teach in a Christian school. But as they teach, they're doing so in a recognition that this is a way to serve God. And that whatever we are giving ourselves to, we are seeking to honor and glorify God by doing our best, by giving Him praise, And always acting with integrity and honesty and faithfulness. And instilling within our children the need to serve God, to worship, to love and adore Him. And thirdly, do you publicly acknowledge that in so doing you're submitting yourselves to God's will for this child, whatever it may involve. Perhaps you are in the process of discovering God's will for your child. Maybe your child is in the progress of discovering what is God's will for my life. Help them in that process. That doesn't mean you've got to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you are the Holy Spirit and can reveal those things. But it does mean you can pray with them. Does mean you can sit down and work with them about the gifts that it appears that God has given them and how they may be used. But most importantly, it's a sharing with them values, values that are uniquely Christian. And saying to them in choosing a career, choose a vocation. Just that simple change of word is so, so significant in our day and age. People talk about careers. Two generations ago, they talked about vocations. And the reason for that is because of the root word vocal. Voco, vocation. And it comes from Calling. And so one looked at their life as a calling, a calling on the part of God. What has God called you to do? And basically, we have so truncated the word of God that people are called to the ministry or they're called to being a pastor or they are called to being a missionary, but called to be a teacher called to be a bricklayer, called to be a computer specialist, called to be whatever. We should look at life as a calling. How can I serve God in the gifts and the ability and the interests that I have? And again, that doesn't mean that you work for a Christian organization. It means that you primarily are intending to glorify God where I am by being a light, by being an encouragement to others, by sharing my faith when I have the opportunity to do so, by simply modeling what it is to be a Christian in the world in which we live. To instill that within our children and tell them that the primary issue is that very thing, glorifying God. Not how much money you're going to make. Or what kind of perks you're going to receive. Help them work through. Why do I want to do what I do? And what a dignity and what a joy and what a blessing work will become for them when they are older. When they are doing what God has called them to do. Using their gifts in honoring and glorifying Him, whatever the job may be, wherever it may lead them. That is the act of dedication. Let us pray.